0: Hello, and welcome to Socialism, the weekly Marxist podcast from the Socialist Party. In the United States, the capitalists are faced with a shopping list of crises that are shaking their system almost to pieces. Like many capitalist economies, they've had to partly suspend production and profit in the face of the coronavirus pandemic. They've been forced to inject trillions of dollars into the economy to keep the capitalist system going. And now, the absurd situation of competitive oil production outstripping demand so far that prices have become negative. The capitalist class faces these crises with an unreliable representative at the helm, Donald Trump. But they may be breathing a bit easier now that Bernie Sanders, who came to prominence with his promise of a political revolution against the billionaire class, has endorsed a more reliable representative of big business interests in the form of the Democrat Joe Biden. Sanders has even admonished his supporters for saying they won't campaign for a corporate shill. Huge anger is growing in the US. Class polarization sharpens as the divisions between bosses and workers are exposed. Armed demonstrations ratchet up the tensions. Capitalism is threatening to plunge millions into poverty on a scale not seen since the Great Depression. This episode of Socialism looks at US imperialism in decline. Coronavirus, Trump, Sanders, and Socialism.
1: I'm joined here today by Tony Somwar, Secretary of the Committee for Workers International, the CWI, the international organisation that the Socialist Party in England and Wales is a section of. Thanks for being here, Tony. Pleasure. In the recent published statement on the COVID-19 pandemic, capitalist crisis and bitter class polarisation in the United States, the point is made that the US has the highest number of deaths in this pandemic. Why was the US not prepared for a health crisis on this scale, and what has been the reaction of the US capitalist class?
2: Well, as you say, Mark, the US is facing an utter catastrophe, it's had the highest number of recorded deaths anywhere now in the world, and it's likely to intensify and get worse in the next period. It's far from reached its peak. Now, why has it been so devastating in the United States? And I think there's a number of reasons for that. Firstly, it's the insanity of the reaction of the Trump dynasty, how they reacted to the virus when it broke. They went into a state of denial. Business as usual, as Trump boasted, that people would carry on working as normal. And it resulted in an absolute catastrophe as far as the American people were concerned. In addition to that... We have particular factors in relation to how the US capitalism has functioned. Because in the United States, you have no meaningful federal public health system to look after people. You have a privatised system, fundamentally, which excludes millions of people from adequate health coverage. And then in addition to that, as we've seen in other countries, really the whole of capitalism on a global scale, all of the ruling elites, should be indicted... For what they've not done since 1998 they've been warned that the pandemic was coming we've had the outbreak of SARS we've had the outbreak of MERS we've had the Ebola crisis a series of other epidemics which have broken out which have not exploded into a pandemic they've been able to control them but at each stage the scientists and the experts have warned them and actually in the case of the United States there's been 12 reports presented that go right back to the Clinton era in the 1990s, warning of a pandemic and what was necessary for the health service to be prepared for it. And the irony has been is that they did up a plan as to how to deal with the pandemic, but they didn't implement it. They didn't take any of the measures to provide the adequate stocks for protective health equipment and other measures as well in order to prepare for such a pandemic as we see at the present time. And therefore we see an utter catastrophe has hit US society, and it's ripped it apart. It's exposed all of the class polarization, the class divisions which have been there in any case, and now they've been exposed in a far sharper manner than was the case before. Now, what's been the reaction of the US capitalist class? Well, they've been driven into accepting a lockdown mm. in the course of the past period in the vast majority of states, if not all of the, the states now. But nevertheless, Trump really wants to override that as quickly as possible. Mm. And it's a reaction, a reflection of the capitalist class. Trump has already himself lost billions in terms of business being closed. And capitalism in general has a problem because they're confronted with this pandemic. They've closed down and shut down industry. But in order to function, capitalism needs the working class back at work. They need them producing goods. They need the market for people to buy those goods. And without that, the system implodes and cannot function. And that is the dilemma that they now face themselves in. And now there's a battle raging by sections of the capitalist caste in the United States who are demanding that the lockdown is lifted, that they return to work in order to try and save the economy at the expense of tens of thousands more American working people. So we have an utter catastrophe facing the whole of US society, which is now polarized in a manner that it has never been since the 1930s. And last weekend, there were armed
1: protests in a number of states against the lockdown,
2: many of them supported by Donald Trump. Can you go into that a little more? Well, that, that you see a number of things. And firstly, the idea that most of these demonstrations were spontaneous protests has been exposed to be entirely false. Mm. One of the first that took place was in Michigan, the state. There was a conservative coalition which has links to Betsy DeVos, the education secretary, a member of the cabinet of Trump's dynasty government. And they initiated a demonstration in Michigan. Mm -hmm. And undoubtedly, they've been driven by far-right Trump activists and supporters from the conservative wing. But they've also attracted a certain echo from a layer of the most oppressed, small shopkeepers, small business people, Mm -hmm. farmers, and desperately poor sections of the working class who are demanding an end to the lockdown to get back to work because they're not able to get unemployment benefit, Mm -hmm. because they're not able to sign on, they have no income. And there's a very real issue of food and their ability to live. And some have unfortunately been drawn behind these protests and demonstrations because there's not been a sufficient struggle waged by the American trade union leadership to guarantee and force the implementation of all people having a guaranteed income and wage when they're laid off work due to the lockdown so they can at least live. So we see that. On the other side, it's not all going to be one way because what we've also seen recently in Colorado, for example, is counter-processes have been organised, particularly Mm -hmm. from the health workers who bravely come out onto the streets to confront some of these protesters. And there you see the measure of the massive polarisation which is going to take place within US society in the run-up to the presidential elections in November. Mm. And in your recent statement from the Committee for Workers International,
1: you say that the class struggle in America is likely to see elements of civil war as class polarisation increases.
2: Yes, we do, and we make that point for a very clear reason. There is a history of sharp polarisation in the United States, although they've not had an independent party of the American working class, and it's been masked, the class struggle, by the role particularly of the trade union leaders who have collaborated with capitalism, have collaborated with the capitalist party, the Democrats. But nevertheless, there is a history of civil war, of course, and also, when you've had class battles have taken place, they've taken an extremely sharp, and often very violent form, particularly the Virginia miners and others, of an armed character. And we see that now being echoed in this particular crisis. You saw the right wing turning up, a small section of which carrying arms. It's not an accident. You know, it's part of American culture or part of American society that whereas here we've had panic buying of toilet rolls, there you had queues outside the gun shops (laughs) for people to stock up on arms. Well, that's a measure of the fear that people had. But how sharply issues can be posed, because we shouldn't underestimate the incredible class polarization, which has taken place in society. In the run-up to this crisis, you've had the position of incredible concentration of wealth and power in the hands of a tiny number of oligarchs. Now you have globally oligarch capitalism of billionaires and multi-billionaires with all of the wealth concentrated in their hands. And that is particularly the case in the United States. And even in relation to the measures that have been taken by the Trump administration, where they've stepped in to try and avert a depression, which they're not going to be able to do, but they introduced a stimulus package of about 2.3 trillion US dollars. But even for that stimulus package, you saw the class polarization which exists because there's 43,000 millionaires in America who are each going to get 1.6 million US dollars from that stimulus package. And that comes at the time, when you have 22 million people registered as unemployed, over 5 million signing on last week, and there's millions more in the US because the way the tax system works who can't sign on. So in reality, it is far higher. And we have the possibility now that unemployment in the United States is going to rocket to 30%. Mm. 49 million people unemployed, the highest level since the 1930s. Even in the Great Depression of the 1930s, It only hit a level of 25%. So all of the capitalist economists are now predicting or anticipating it could go up even as high as 30% in the US in the course of the coming period. And we see a massive class polarisation. And it is going to be expressed in a bitter election campaign. We already see strikes and protests being taken by sections of workers because of what they're doing. And incidentally, in Worcester, you Mm. have the incredible situation in Massachusetts where in one of the privatised hospitals, they've actually furloughed the nurses in Mm. the course of a pandemic, which has provoked a very good protest which CWI members and supporters were involved in participating in a protest of cars. It's classic American society. (laughs) You know, you have a demonstration in your car, (laughs) you know, where about 100 people drove round the hospital protesting against the furloughing of the nurses that have taken place there. You see marvellous protests organised by other workers as well during the course of this struggle. And it's going to result in a massively polarised election campaign in November, the outcome of which is uncertain at this stage, however. Mm. Now, just on the presidential election coming
1: up this year... Bernie Sanders, a self-described socialist, has now pulled out of the race to become the Democrat nominee for president and has endorsed his rival, the explicitly
2: pro-capitalist Biden. Was this the right move to beat Trump in the election this year? Well, it was not a bad move in a sense for Sanders to pull out of the Democratic primaries. He should have done it before. In fact, he shouldn't have gone into the primaries. Mm. But it's not a good move from the point of view of beating Trump in terms of pulling out of the election campaign altogether, because... Unfortunately, Bernie Sanders has repeated the same mistake that he made in 2016. He has aroused the support of millions of people on the basis of a radicalised position, describes himself as a democratic socialist, raised enormous hopes and expectations, but mistakenly and wrongly, he's tried to channel that into the Democratic Party. And he did that in 2016, he was defeated then, and he endorsed Clinton. And now he's made the same mistake, only more so this time, Mm. in the depth of this crisis. It's an even bigger mistake in the course of this crisis, where it's explicitly clear, after two failed runs, because of the way the system operates in the US, it's impossible to conduct a struggle to transform a party like the Democrats into a party that is going to represent the interests of the working class You know, a tiger doesn't change its stripes. And you're not going to change the character of the Democratic Party, which is an out-and-out, pro-capitalist, pro-imperialist party. Of course, it's electorate. Those who vote for it don't see it in that particular way. But had Sanders been prepared to stand independently in 2016, he had every chance of winning. And the idea that him standing would have split the vote and allowed Trump to win it in 2016. Well, that was answered in 2016, whereby not standing, Trump won. And a lot of people who voted for Trump would have voted for Sanders had they had the opportunity. Sanders would have taken votes away from Trump in the states that he won. And it's entirely possible, offering a a more combative left campaign against Hillary Clinton, who was hated, that Sanders could have come through and won. And even if he hadn't won, and Clinton had managed to win, or Trump had pulled it off due to the vagaries and the undemocratic nature of the US election system, Sanders would now be in the position of having a powerful independent party of the left, the party of working people that could challenge Trump in 2020. But unfortunately, he's made exactly the same mistake again. He's unfortunately has even criticized some of his own supporters who's argued that they wouldn't support Biden because Biden's hated by a significant layer. Sanders has denounced those supporters of him as being irresponsible. And really, he's capitulated to the capitalist interests and has now come out in favour of Biden, having had a lot of discussions with Barack Obama Mm. beforehand. And in that sense, he's sold his soul to the establishment of the leadership of the Democratic Party, who are now using him to try and rally the youth vote and the vote of his supporters to try and get them to vote for Biden in order to defeat Trump. And it's a failure, a betrayal as far as Sanders has been concerned, which now poses the dangers that if it's left to Biden, whose lackluster, pro-capitalist, incompetent conduct of his different campaigns, will pose the threat that Trump could still win. Even if it's possible, Trump might lose the popular vote, but because of the completely undemocratic way of the American election system... Trump could be elected president. Biden could end up winning the majority of the popular vote, but each state elects delegates to an electoral college, and the electoral college decides. The CWI and our supporters and co-thinkers in the United States demand the abolition of the electoral college, and we support now the urgent building of a new party of the American working class to challenge Trump and also to be prepared to do battle against the future Biden administration. Mm. Biden is a pro-capitalist. He may be compelled to make some radical turn verbally in the election campaign under pressure, but once in power... He will take measures to attack the American working class and the rights of the American working class for sure. And in that situation, while the ground has been plowed, has been prepared, the conditions exist for the building of a new party of the American working class. Now we need the forces to come together, rank and file trade unionists, trade unionists at local and statewide level, along with others of former Sanders supporters, to take the initiative to start bringing together the forces to build a new party that will all be able to challenge Trump, to challenge Biden and to challenge ultimately the United States capitalism. Yeah, because it's clear that Trump is an
1: unreliable representative for US capitalism's interests, and Biden is hoping to be a responsible administrator for their interests. Is US capitalism going to exit this crisis the same as it did before?
2: Well, I think it's not. We, we are faced here with the whole of this crisis of an historic turn in the whole history of capitalism. You've never seen the onset of such a global economic crisis as that which is currently developing. Two days ago, you saw the unprecedented position where the price of oil went negative in mm. the United States, where the oil companies were having to pay other companies to take away the oil because they got no storage facilities. It was a classic case of Marxist overproduction. Mm. where they've overproduced. There was no demands for the goods. And as a result, you had a collapse. That's going to have devastating consequences in the Middle East on countries such as Nigeria in Africa, or Venezuela in Latin America, which are dependent on oil, and we're entering into unprecedented times with an incredibly profound economic recession, and probably a depression, which is going to last for quite a period. There may be a certain blip, a certain small, fragile recovery during that, but they're in for a whole historical period, really, of recession interspersed with different waves of depression and prolonged recession. And though, of course, the perspectives remain unclear at this stage, it is without precedent in the history of capitalism. And it's a turning point The consequences of which are not fully clear. But what is clear is it is going to have a major effect on geopolitical relations internationally. The relationship between the imperialist powers is in the process of being changed. Prior to this crisis developing, we had seen a tendency for the decline of US imperialism, which, of course, was the largest and most powerful of the imperialist powers. That tendency for decline has been enormously accelerated Mm -hmm. during the course of this crisis. And we can't be specifically clear as to how far this trend will go at this particular stage. But what we can say is that it's a little bit comparable to what happened with the period of the First World War, 1914-1918, which British imperialism went into as the major world imperial power. And it came out of that enormously weakened. Then, by the time of the Second World War, the 1930s and the Second World War, America came out of that enormously strengthened. So out of the last global depression, America came out strengthened and eventually emerged as being the most powerful global power. From this recession stroke depression... American imperialism is going to come out of it fundamentally weakened. Mm. We see the rise in developments of China, which is crucial in terms of shaping world relations. How far this process goes at this stage maybe is not fully certain, but America is going to be weakened. And we're not in a position now where we're going to have one unchallenged global superpower in existence. We're seeing the struggle between U.S. imperialism and China develop. We're seeing a rearrangement of the global situation as far as the EU and the European powers are concerned. The European Union, if it exists at the end of this crisis, which is a big question at this stage, we see what's developed in Italy, all of which could trigger, together with Spain, the breakup of the Eurozone and maybe even the European Union itself, We see the emergence of different regional powers around the world in Asia, Africa and Latin America. There is a whole position of historical flux is opening up with a rearrangement, if you like, of the relations between the different powers. That will provoke all sorts of conflicts Mm. and possibly wars at local and regional level as these different capitalist and imperialist powers struggle to assert their influence and dominance in their own particular regions. So America is going to come out of this crisis enormously weakened. Now, when Britain came out of the First World War, what happened? It was threatened with social convulsions at home. You had mass class battles and a threat of revolution at home and abroad. And that is going to unfold and will be posed in the United States as a consequence of this crisis. And the very fact that that will be happening in the major or the largest imperialist power at this stage is going to have global repercussions as indeed the threat of revolution in Britain did in 1918, 1919, 1920. And that, in that sense, will be replicated in a somewhat different form as the class struggle intensifies in the United States. And as those class battles intensify,
1: what does this mean for the potential for socialism in the US? And why is a working class political voice so important?
2: Well, to take the last part of the question first, it's crucial for a political voice, particularly for a political party to be built in order to channel the energies of the working class into a coherent force that can challenge capitalism and its political spokespeople and its political system. And to do that, the workers need their own party and the potential exists for that now in the United States. The time to strike is now. Unfortunately, Sanders has thrown that opportunity away by his capitulation to Biden and abandoning the struggle in this particular election. But from below, from other forces, that issue can be taken up and will be taken up in the period that we are going into. And likewise within that, a political party, but the transformation of the trade unions is also essential. It's true everywhere internationally but particularly in the United States where you have a particularly rotten, corrupt layer of a trade union bureaucracy which needs to be brought under the check and control of the working people, the members of the unions and the struggle to transform the unions into fighting organisations of the working class is a key task which is going to be posed in the course of the next period. And within that, the idea of socialism as an alternative to this decaying, decadent period of oligarchical capitalism undoubtedly will emerge and will become strengthened. Already we have the idea of socialism as an alternative form of capitalism is very favourably seen by big sections of the American population, especially the young people. The idea of socialism is being accepted within the US. Maybe people have not got a fully rounded out idea and understanding of what that is. It's necessary to build on that sentiment Mm -hmm. to give it a concrete expression in the form of a program to fight for the day-to-day demands of the American working people and linking that to the idea of the need to transform society and then explaining what a genuine democratic socialist society would mean with the public ownership of the major corporations, democratic workers' control, and a democratic plan of production being developed to meet the needs and requirements of the mass of the population. That can get an enormous echo in the US in the period that we are going into, particularly given the special decadent nature of capitalism that we see at this particular stage. So from this crisis, it will not be easy. It's going to be very polarised. The depth of the crisis is going to result in immense human misery and suffering. But we can be optimistic that through the battles that will develop as a consequence of this crisis, that a real alternative can emerge. And as this pandemic, as it's affected America, as it's affected Europe, as it has affected Asia, Africa and Latin America and Australia, has demonstrated what we need now is a global struggle for a socialist alternative Mm. as the only means to prevent society plunging into more horror and misery. And it is... To coin a phrase of Rosa Luxemburg from Germany in the past, it is a struggle now between the question of socialism or barbarism. The future of society will be barbaric on the basis of the continuation of capitalism. We have the technology and the potential, the inventiveness of humankind to build a new form of society. And from that, it will be possible to transform the planet and to resolve all of the day-to-day issues and problems facing the mass of humankind, including the environment. What has this crisis illustrated is that in the space of a few weeks, because of the collapse of the pollution levels which has taken Mm. place, how the environmental problems have partly been reversed, of the ozone layer beginning to be healed, of the pollution dropping and collapsing, with the introduction of a democratic plan on a socialist basis internationally, It would be possible to develop green aspects of the economy on a more ecological, friendly basis to guarantee the living standards of all and to take humanity onto a far more developed level. If we don't do that, we have the threat of barbarism. So it is a struggle globally now of urgency, of the utmost importance, between capitalism in its most decadent phase and the struggle for a new socialist order. Thanks very much, Tony.
0: Socialism is produced by the Socialist Party. The England and Wales section of the Committee for a Workers' International. Today we heard from Tony Sonwa, Secretary of the CWI, and this episode was edited by Nick Hart. Socialism, the podcast, has no wealthy backers. We need your help to maintain our independent political voice right when it's most important, during this generation-defining global catastrophe. We survive thanks to the financial support of ordinary working class and young people. We're always asking for finance. But right now, because we can't raise money from our usual campaign activity on the streets and in the workplaces, we need it more than ever. You can help us take the fight to big business by making a regular donation or a one-off payment at socialistparty.org.uk forward slash donate. If you're listening in the United States and want to join the fight for socialism there, contact the Independent Socialist Group at independentsocialistgroup@gmail.com. at gmail.com. If you agree with the policies and actions the Socialist Party is fighting for in England and Wales, we need you. Join our campaign to build a truly effective working-class socialist fighting force in the trade union and labour movement. Join the Socialist Party now. Send us your details at socialistparty.org.uk forward slash join. If you live outside the US, England or Wales and want to join the fight for socialism in your country, contact the Committee for a Workers' International by visiting socialistworld.net. You can find further reading on this episode in the episode notes in your podcast app and at socialistparty.org.uk forward slash podcast. And for the latest statements on working class demands, socialist analysis and reports from the front line, check the Socialist Party's website socialistparty.org.uk forward slash coronavirus and our Facebook page. If you have comments, questions or something you want to hear from us, contact us on socialismpodcast at socialistparty.org.uk Finally, help us spread the word by giving us a five-star review and subscribing so you don't miss out. And don't forget to recommend us to your co-workers and friends. Till next time, solidarity.